Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast with your host, Adam Emmert. It's unbelievable. I can't wait to never see Big Guns Hockey League ever again in my life. And Brandon Schultz. How is that unsportsmanlike even? To me, that seems overly sportsmanlike. That's extra sportsmanlike. Go Hawks! Welcome to Seahawkers Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, member of the Military Seahawkers. Joining me, a good buddy and Montana Seahawker, Adam Emmer. Hello, hello, Brandon. It's great to come off a win. Great to come off uh, an amazing trip to the clink. Uh, Monday night football. Lucky hat in full force. This was fun. It was a it was a super fun trip and a super fun game. Just it, wow. This was this is one of my more fun experiences in Seattle. Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun, and I feel like we're still recovering. Uh, <laughs> a yes. couple days out. I, I know we are. It's been tough. I understand this show has come out a little later than usual. Uh, we did give the post game recap uh, with the UK Seahawkers podcast guys, the pedestrian podcast. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, we may have all had a few beers by that point, but, uh, it still was a good time. I think uh, judging, you can usually judge the, it's a good beer to catfish ratio for the shows. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Those guys were great. Uh, so big thanks to, to Stu and Adam. I know and, Ross uh, is going to have to make it out next time. Yeah, absolutely. We did. We did miss uh, meeting up with Ross for sure, but, uh, pretty cool an exciting game. A lot to unpack there. Uh, like I said, we did a lot of that in the post game show. So if you're looking for a ton of the Bills coverage, uh, check that out. Uh, we will get into some of it here today, but we also have the big matchup against the New England Patriots coming up on Sunday night. Uh, oh, Sunday night! <laughs> here it comes, right? This is here it. it this is one of the biggest games of the year, and it, it's coming up against the Patriots. We have to go on the road, but it, it's a prime time game. They don't stick us with one of those. 10 a.m. Pacific starts, so nope. we don't have an excuse this time. This is this is prime time. This is the time of the night where the Seahawks perform their best, and uh, and they give us the Patriots. So now the Patriots are coming off a bye, and I'm sure uh, because we did get a call from Dave Bloomquist that we'll have mm-hmm. to play. I, I'm sure he'll get into that as well. <laughs> uh, I'm um, sure he will. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get into that. Um, we mentioned on the uh, on. With the pedestrian podcast guys, Troy Main Pope back in Seattle added to the practice squad. White after smoke last week, yeah, white smoke coming from the V Mac. So that was happy to see. And uh, but one thing, you know, I think after this week of elections, people probably uh, not interested in in anything we have to say about politics. Anyone, any, you know, they they <laughs> they find they get that other places. They don't come here for that. But uh, unfortunately, thanks to Bill Belichick, we do have to talk politics on the show, and uh, we okay. will explain why. Yeah, it, it'll be small, I promise, uh, because we all are uh, a little shell-shocked, you know, th- this week. I mean, just, I mean, not with the result per se, just more with the, the whole proceedings and everything that's been coming up to it the last couple of weeks. And um, I, I'm over it, man. I, I'm over it. I don't really care. Uh, and <laughs> I'm ready to talk ball, man. I'm ready I mean, to that's ball. what I'm saying. It's it's time to talk football. That's what people tune in for. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, man, what a great day, though, that was Monday night. I got to hang out with a bunch of listeners of the show, uh, Ross and Aaron, Roe and Jeremy, Jay, uh, you know, uh, all the other people from the military Seahawkers tailgate that we hang out with, hung out with there. 
Man, and then the and not only that, and Kevin the, and Kevin was there as well, right? Kevin showed up for the, the for yeah. Sunday night, and uh, good to run into him. And then the military Seahawkers, the the t- our tailgate there was catered by Morton's. Uh, they had actually won uh, a Morton's tailgating competition to where the the local Seattle Morton's came and and like put out a huge spread for all the military folks there. It was amazing. Holy smokes was amazing. And I was not familiar with the with Morton's before this, uh, the steakhouse, that sort of thing. Um, they, they had some delicious, delicious food. Um, in fact, and this might sound weird, the best deviled egg I have ever had in my life. Oh, my goodness. Those deviled eggs. <laughs> why? Why, Brandon? Why were, why were there? Why because were there was beautiful? bacon in it. And bacon. Because there was bacon. bacon. <laughs> because when life gives you lemons, you don't make lemonade. You kick it in the balls and you demand something better like bacon. Because bacon's delicious. <laughs> It was awesome. It was they they were incredible. And uh yeah, all the all the chefs that they brought down and the folks there, that was that was a good time. Holy smokes. It was. It was a fantastic time. Uh special thanks to uh, the military Seahawkers for allowing us to come and, and hang out at the at the event and uh everybody that was there. Pretty cool. But uh Well speaking of food, Adam, you know, people are probably wondering. They're wondering about Michael in San Diego. And uh, yes. whether or not he had breakfast this week before the game. I'm, I'm on pins and needles, man. Like, uh, you know. I think it's time to find out what Michael did for breakfast. Michael's breakfast. Here's an email from Michael in San Diego. Even though it was a Monday night game, I stepped up for the 12s. And all I can say is that breakfast was amazing. These down-to-the-wire games, though, are a different story altogether. I don't think I need to discuss with my doctor whether my heart is healthy enough for breakfast. (laughs) I think I need to discuss whether my heart is healthy enough for Seattle Seahawks football games. (laughs) During the three hours of every game this year, I think my dog and I are aging at the same rate. Offense is making huge steps against in the right direction. We still have some issues to address, but hopefully the train is back on the tracks. Keep up the great work on the show from Michael. (laughs) Fantastic email because mm, breakfast. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad. uh, Glad Michael was able to step up and do his part to ensure a Seahawks victory. Uh, I appreciate all the work uh, to them as a couple. Uh, that, that's really great. And uh, yeah, I think he's right, though, about the idea of your heart being healthy enough for Seahawks football, man, because I was I was on the edge of my seat that it, entire game. It was crazy. Well, the Seahawks got up by 11 points. And at that point in the game, you're thinking, OK, just just coast, right? It, it, or get mm-hmm. another score and, and put this game away. But knowing the Seahawks as we do and how they've played the season, you almost expected, expected the Bills to come back and make it interesting at the end. And, and it didn't disappoint us. Didn't disappoint us. Somehow the Seahawks at the end of the game give up a third and 21. A third and 21. That would have ended it. I mean, I don't know about the rest of you guys having like nom flashbacks like I was of like Chicago 2012. Atlanta 2012 just, just flashbacks man like I, it, it's tough it's tough when they do those things to me man but it uh, they managed to come up with a stop in the end thank goodness they were up six instead of just three 
Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to see that game go to overtime because clearly the first team with the ball would have scored a touchdown and that would have been the game. I mean, that's that's how that was going. The offenses both moved the ball up and down the field for the majority of the game at well, especially the first half. And we saw Russell Wilson finally look like Russell Wilson again. And the knee brace smaller. The ankle tape's been off for a couple of weeks. And I don't know what the scoop is with the pectoral thing, but I think I'm done wringing my hands about it. Guy looked like he can, you know, just hose it down the field at any given point. There's some sexy beat balls involved. There was, and uh, one of them in particular, and uh, we didn't play the highlights when we were talking to the guys with the pedestrian podcast, but uh, one of the main highlights came right at the beginning of the game, a sexy deep ball to leading wide receiver, Doug Baldwin. Graham wings on the left side, play fake. Russell's going to throw deep. Hey, I'm Russell Wilson, and I throw a sexy deep ball. Got a man, Doug Baldwin, chasing down the middle. He's got it to the five-yard line. Doug Baldwin. Leaping, diving, down to the three. What a pass by Russell Wilson. A beautiful arc on that ball, and Doug Baldwin just ran underneath it. A huge play. We talked about explosive plays prior to the game. A 50-yarder, and Russell gets right back to the line of scrimmage with the offense. First and goal from the three. It made me feel good to see that, too, because after watching the blocked punt, and the Bills yeah. just, you know, Tyra Taylor walking into one the play. end zone. One play. And uh, to have that comeback of the offense, to drive it right down the field and get a quick score. Now, it, it didn't help their time of possession, but it helped me feel better as a fan watching that game that they could jump right back into it. And just a couple plays later, Russell Wilson matches Tyrod Taylor with his own walk into the end zone. Jimmy Graham shifts over from right to left. The play fake. Russell is going to run around the right side. He is going to go in. Touchdown, Seahawks. If you can do it, I can do it. Tyrod Taylor did it a moment ago. Russell Wilson does it this time from three yards out. The keeper. And we're one point away from having a tie football game. The other part about that play that was so important was the idea that Russell showed him that early in the game. Yeah. That running the ball for him was going to be a threat that you're going to at least have to pay attention to. And I wish I could tell you that opened up things in the running game in other ways, but that sure wasn't the case. I mean, I don't know about you, Brandon, but after watching him struggle to run the ball just a couple times, I mean, I, I was like, we're just, just throw it every down. Like, and that's just throw it every down. Essentially what they did. And one of the big problems with the running game, uh, there's a big reason why you felt so frustrated by it. Shield Kapadia had the article that came out this week that said on, t- on the, those 10 running plays, the Seahawks only did things properly as they were supposed to three out of those 10 plays. And I'm guessing one of those was on a Tyler Lockett run because he was your leading rusher yeah. <laughs> of the game. And he had to juke a guy in the backfield just to, to get downfield 13 yards. But yeah, one rush, 13 yards. Tyler Lockett, your, your leading rusher. Russell Wilson, uh, number two. So, you know, there's uh, there's progression for I think I think Russell Wilson has now surpassed Tom Brady. So that's positive. Right. Yeah. Finally takes over Tom Brady and rushing yards on the season, even though Tom Brady missed four games. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just like, this unbelievable. But it was it was so nice to see Russell Wilson get just a little bit of time against the Bills defensive front. That is a solid defensive front. Yeah. And the offensive line did a good enough job in that phase of the game or the Seahawks to actually get the ball up and down the field and almost too efficiently, really. 
Yeah, because we saw time of possession once again uh, a problem for the team. And you're starting to see maybe that having a little bit of an impact on the defense. Maybe it was some other things. The secondary didn't look quite as good as it used to. Before we go there, though, I got an email here. Um, You know, you mentioned, Adam, Lucky Hat was in attendance at the game. Yeah. Got an email from Dan Hill says, hey, gentlemen, after the litany of willing blame takers for the games, our boys have tied or lost. Wait a second. I only have one question. Was Dan ever uh, called in or emailed in and taken blame for, for a loss? I don't know if I don't, has. I don't think he has. I know he's been with us since the very beginning of Flock of Donkeys, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, if he he, he hasn't uh, emailed in about taking blame for loss. So I'm just wanted to point that out. Okay. Well, you read the rest. well, it turns out, he says, I feel it only right that I volunteered to take the blame for this win. It has oh, been. Oh, <laughs> sure. Okay. Now here you are, Dan. I got gotcha. you. It has long been my favorite thing in the world to eat hoagie sandwiches while chilling with the wife and kids watching our Hawks. In fact, my ideal Thanksgiving is wait, hoagies, wait. chips, and football all day. It, it, are hoagie sandwiches like breakfast? Or is this, is this hoagie sandwiches? I, well, I think this is, I think he literally means hoagie sandwiches. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> I'm just checking. We got, we got things, you know, lines that are blurring on this. Although show. Netflix and chilling, it means something different. I don't know if hoagie sandwiches and chilling is... Uh, That's not a thing. So it's literally <laughs> you're eating a hoagie. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, so he's filling up. He's well, got his hoagies. We finally returned to the hoagie tradition after too long away. And what happens? I don't know exactly, but we did win, so there's that. Sorry for flubbing everything up. I take full responsibility for the win. Keep it cool, and thanks for the great podcast. I've been listening since day one and was also a devoted flock of donkeys listener. Keep up the yeah. good work of entertaining us 12s and sharing some enlightenment about our boys in blue, gray, white, and green. Go Hawks. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, look, Dan, this is the funny part about your email. You mentioned that you didn't do the hoagies for a long time and there were losses in there. Yet never took the blame for any of that. No, you're going to try to take credit for the win that has one and only source of credit. And that's the lucky hat. It was in attendance in the building. It got it done. Gabby, <laughs> I, 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 take, I take full responsibility for the win. Like lucky hat does. Nobody else can be doing that. I feel like it should be podcast policy that when our team wins, we actually we put the 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 sole blame of winning on the performance of our team, uh, but because the lucky hat was mm. in attendance, I feel like maybe we have to make an, an exception. That's what I'm saying. It's not often that it gets out there. I'm just you know right. in a barn burner of a game. So nice try, Dan. <laughs> try don't don't steal my thunder. <laughs> And we got another email from Ross from the Pedestrian Podcast says, hey, guys, firstly, let me express my disappointment at my fellow UK podcast pals at the complete lack of faith about beating the Patriots in our upcoming game. I'll be having words with them once they return. Don't you worry about that. (laughs) Now, on to my question. Jeremy Lane. (sighs) That's a big sigh. (sighs) His form over the past few weeks has been a big concern. He's regularly been caught out of position, and along with missed tackles, he's beginning to look like a liability. Is this just a blip, or should we, or should that be a position of concern going forward? Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work, Ross. Jeremy Lane has not stood out to me one way or the other. I'd put it that way. Yeah. But, I mean, sure, he's given up some stuff. And, um, and one of the things we don't know is there are so many injuries that aren't on the injury report. I mean, he could be in by this point in the season, everybody's playing with something. So that could be a bit of a part of it. But I would chalk it up more to a blip, you know, if it is has been a little down uh, than anything. That's a player I have a lot of confidence in. I do, too. I 
I was concerned when I saw him on the pro football focus list of worst players at their position for the week. And uh, Jeremy Lane for slot corner was in that position. But mm. then I looked and, and it said he was targeted four times in the slot and allowed all four to be caught, but only for 59 yards. When Robert Woods went off for, you know, it's over 10 yards, a catch. Yeah. No, almost 15 yards, a catch. Yeah. And he missed a tackle. That's it's not, it's a, not a good. No, it's not a good ratio. But still, 60 yards passing against him just doesn't seem like a huge number when you consider that uh, Robert Woods had almost three times that amount. Sure, he was abusing everybody. So that's that's part of the, the equation there. Well, we'll see. We'll see Jeremy Lane tested going into this Patriots game. I mean, he's going to end up probably on Edelman quite a bit. And yeah. that was a guy he, ha- he was having success against before he got just a bullet just blowing up as a human being in the Super Bowl. I know, right on that interception too. Yeah, his entire body exploded. But uh well, I I was wondering I think he'll too. be focused I, going forward. I wonder if if the DBs have a bit of an excuse because looking back at that game, man, thank goodness our our guys still have functioning kneecaps cuz those Bills receivers, man, anytime they had the opportunity yeah. to block our defensive backs, going They'd right go at low. the knees. They were going low. Yeah, definitely a strategy they employ. Definitely within the rules, and uh, it's one of those stylistic things that uh, I had not picked up on on tape watching them previously. But boy, it it, it is effective. I mean, it really really did help with their perimeter running because that's where you saw the majority of their success was mm-hmm. on the outside. Um, Shady was as advertised. I mean, he he was electric, man. I mean, I think my biggest problem was the missed tackles overall. And I pin about 20% of that on the Seahawks and 80% of that on Shady yeah, and Tyrod Taylor. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is was very mobile. I understand why people hate playing Russell Wilson now. <laughs> like, I get it. Right. Because Tyrod Taylor was maddening. They had him in the backfield multiple times. Multiple and, times. And uh, weren't able get, to make the tackle. Yeah. If they get that kind of pressure on Brady, those are sacks. Right. You know what I mean? Even though Brady is very adept at moving. But. He's adept at moving, and he also gets rid of it a lot quicker than Tyra Taylor. True, true, all all true facts. But look, the that Bills offense played, I don't know, maybe their best game of the year. I I would say, I they they really did have it clicking on all cylinders. And really, the the tail of the tape at the end of the day was third downs. Man, they converted on so many third downs. I believe it was over seventy percent. They converted on like five for five of their third and ones, or six for six, something like that. 100%. Holy smokes! Anyways. Yeah. And so when we talked about the time of possession a little bit earlier, um, we mentioned that the offense was able to move the ball, have drives, no three, you know, not many three and outs and that sort of thing. Well, you would think that that would help even up time of possession, but this time in this game, this, this week, it was on the defense when it came to time of possession. They just couldn't get off the field. It's not that the Seahawks wouldn't do anything with the ball when they had the ball. They just couldn't get off the field. And that's been something that's been problematic for the last three games. And it's going to be the biggest, I promise you, it'll be the biggest thing Chris Richard and company focus on uh, after this game. Yeah, I hope so, because the defense coming up, this is going to be a tough game. And we keep alluding to it, but I, I want to keep going back to. Yeah, I want uh, to stay in the Bills game a little bit. Let's stay in the Bills game yeah. a little bit. Um, I, I want to talk about the play that everybody's talking about and sure. uh, that ended the, the first half. And part of it was because. No, right after the game, you didn't have a chance to really digest everything that you see in the media. Mm-hmm. And you knew that it was going to be talked about, but maybe not to the extent 
<laughs> Although it seems like every Monday night football game, there's controversy. And if it involves the Seahawks, it's going to be talked about all week. And it's going to result in a win. So they all, those are great games to me. <laughs> exactly. Right. Those are all great games. As long as it turns out great for us. Um, but you mentioned you know, the fact that it was a good thing it didn't get into overtime because the coin flip would have decided it. And and it, it turned out to be an important part of, of the game that that Dan Carpenter didn't make that field goal. And there were just there were so many things as part of that series that went wrong. And and one really that isn't being talked about much that I want to bring up. But, you know, just to lay things out for, for everybody who saw it, Richard Sherman, he did jump offside. Yep. Now, the one thing that I keep hearing about is is this idea of unnecessary roughness uh, with the kicker and and him continuing to go after the whistle. And yet I don't I didn't see where the whistle was blown in relation to when he stopped. And we did see that Richard Sherman did get fined for the play about nine grand. Mm-hmm. I think was, it was reported. So appearances that's for appearances. <laughs> it seems that way, doesn't it? It absolutely does. There's no way that the league looks at that and says that that's a finable offense because First off, I, I have seen one video where somebody timed up the, the audio with uh, Sherman, the close up of him, you know, kind of going in where you see him uh, really getting the, you know, putting his hand on the ball. And the whistle came after he had touched the ball. So I, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, like he said, he played through the whistle. The officials made really no uh, blatant movements to call the play dead. So he was doing his job. I mean, he's playing within the rules and. You know, one of the things I've heard is, and I, which I believe in, is I'm sorry, Richard Sherman knows the rules better than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the the other thing that's not being talked about is the fact that Dan Carpenter aggressively decided to kick Sherman right in the body. Like <laughs> th- that was kicker aggression, man. I mean, like like an aggressive a male with too much aggression is what Dan Carpenter looked like out there. We know what we should do with that. <laughs> we know what we should do with males with too much aggression. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thanks, mean, Kayla Carpenter. Dan, Dan Carpenter's wife knows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, man. The kicker attacked Richard Sherman out there. No fine for Dan Carpenter. <laughs> How that's does fine. Dan Carpenter not get fined for kicking Richard Sherman? Look, man, it's just all about per- perspective. This league hates the Seahawks, clearly. <laughs> well, and the, they love kickers. The Watching that play and watching it back, I I thought for sure that the the knee that Sherman ran into was the one that Dan Carpenter hurt. Limped off? But he but when you look at Dan Carpenter on the ground, it was the knee the the knee he was grabbing was with the leg that he kicked Richard Sherman with. Right. Which makes yeah. me wonder why don't you just stop kicking if <laughs> you know if a guy is that close to blocking the field goal, why not stop? Well, y- yeah, I mean, how many times I don't know. I guess I just wouldn't be like, dum to dum. I'm just going to run it. Into- maybe, maybe he was like, screw it. I get a free shot and I'm going to boot this dude. Yeah, kind of like Aaron Rodgers with the free touchdown pass. You're just going to, just going to go for it with the, the field goal kick. Yeah, you might as well. I mean, and maybe the other thought process is, is if he does get into Richard, that he'll draw the flag. Yeah. And could be a lot closer because they were mm-hmm. just kind of on the edge of field goal range. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, there was that series of plays. So he goes down to injury. Uh, grabbing his leg. The trainers immediately come out on the field. I wish I wish the Seahawks had trainers uh, like the Bills because I think they must have Mr. Miyagi'd his knee uh, because he got right back up and ran off the field 
and uh, no problems whatsoever coming back on and, and kicking a, a play later. But uh, so huh. that's crazy, <laughs> huh? I know, I know. You you just have to wonder. Huh. Yeah, they have a team of Mister Miyagi's just on the sidelines. Oh yeah, that was clearly magic. It couldn't it couldn't possibly be the idea that maybe he just wasn't hurt. No, a Montana guy wouldn't fake an injury like that. Well, he wouldn't. He shouldn't. Flop. He Mon- shouldn't. Montana men don't flop at him. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's a, that's another thing on Dan Carpenter in this. Like, everybody's on Richard Sherman. Like, man, don't flop. You're due for Montana. You get mad. You wake up in the morning and you punch a trout in the face just because you don't like the way he's looking at you. Like, that's what you do. Like, every morning. Like, I have a stare down at the grizzly bear just to see if I, if he'll blink first. Like, you don't. You don't flop. You don't flop. Now, there were a couple other areas where the officials screwed up because they couldn't kick the football. They had to bring on another football for another play, uh, you know, the non-kicking football and the Bills line up. And I thought this was smart that they spiked the football, right, to be able to have another play to get mm-hmm. their kicker back out there. But it turns that out was it, smart. It, it turns out, no, it's, you know, much like uh, KJ Wright punching the ball outside out of the end zone. No, the the bills should have been flagged for intentional grounding, Adam, because you cannot if the clock is already stopped, you're not allowed to intentionally ground the football. Really? I did not know that rule. Yeah, it so came out after that, the game. And you couple that with the fact that the Walt Anderson's crew did not reset the play clock going you know, after that play. It was a it was a series of disasters. They, Let's just put that, it that way. And maybe they knew the rule and they just allowed it because it was just the the whole cluster. Dude, that, I pro- uh, I promise you that was not going through their mind. That was the most bizarre end of a half ever. Like they were just trying to get these teams off the field. Right. Like half the t- half the team started to leave the field. You know. Yeah, and, you have uh, Walt you know, Anderson shouting at him that the half isn't over yet. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was just chaos. I mean, give the guys a break. I mean, I saw one headline. It was like, Walt Anderson must be punished. Dude, he's a human being. And like, <laughs> they were trying out there. I'll give him that. They were trying. And look, the other thing is, is the Bills crying over this. Oh, man, referees are unfair. I got an idea. After all that said and done, make the kick. Yeah. See, that's, that's the thing. We sat here after the Saints loss and said, yes, these penalties played a factor. But that's not why we lost. I, I We said that specifically. There were other plays to be made in the football game to win the game. Like maybe score a touchdown at the end instead of getting stopped on fourth down. Right. Down in the red zone. They're getting Look. sacked by Cliff Averill. Pete Carroll it's, called two timeouts to give you guys more time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so, yeah, it just there, there are plenty of plays left out there for the Bills. And so for them to sit and cry. Look, we had a game against the Saints. The calls went against us and we lost. We had a call go for us, and we won. They balance out. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Here's an email uh, talking about Jimmy Graham as well as the running game. Good. So, Let's talk about Jimmy. Yeah. Says, hey, guys, not to rehash too much from the post game show, but the end of the first half controversy, in quotes, is a gigantic nothing burger. <laughs> Main takeaway yes. for me is that Russell Wilson finally looked like Russell Wilson. I'm not sure what they injected him with to allow him to actually have some ability, but more please. I don't know what else to say about Jimmy Graham other than that dude is playing superhuman right now. On to the bat. The running game is straight up catfish right now. Yeah. And I don't think the coaching staff really trust any of the backs on the roster right now. If ProSize can show some 
type of competency. He's probably the best option. At least he can get the ball on short passes out of the backfield. Since I proclaimed Michael as the number one back, he has aged in dog years and very well (laughs) could be watching the rest of the season from his couch. Defensively, I'm not worried in the long run, but they do look worn down and it's starting to show. Looking forward to the Patriots game, but really worried about this one. Go Hawks from Russ in Denver. Hey, Russ. Good to hear from you again, man. And yeah, the the run game is is abysmal, but I, I think he hit some on the head. Procise, I think, is your starter now. Well, I mean, and, yeah, until and because it, it doesn't look like Rawls is going to be back for the Patriots game, but maybe the no, game but after. He did, but he did practice this week. Yes, he did practice this week. That's finally a solid sign, man. I, I really feel like we're going to see him the following week. And as I don't know. What is it? Week 11 at that point? I mean, we've, we've been talking about this forever. Yeah. You know, this this week is week 10, right? I don't know. They all blur <laughs> together. It's Patriots week. That's all. I know. It's Patriots week. It's uh, yeah. Each each team's played eight games. They've had a bye. So, yeah, this is week 10. OK, that's what I figured. So he'll be back by week 11. OK, perfect. So, it, yeah, I think getting Rawls back will should help the running game. But again, this is a little bit like at the end of last year when we went into the playoff game against the Panthers. We're like, ah. Well, we'll get Marshawn Lynch back and then we'll be able to run the ball. And he got just stuffed, you know, right out of the gate. So I'm not sure that Thomas Rawls will kill, will cure all that ails us, but uh, here's hoping. Uh, but the idea that that Russ is back, I mean, that that's really, it's really what it's all about. I mean, it, it, we're going to, we're going to live and die by how far Russell Wilson can take us this year. Yeah. And one thing that was really cool to see um, Russell Wilson yeah, we look at the pro football focus numbers from time to time, mm-hmm. and he was he rated out as the best quarterback at his position last week, and and that's huge as he's coming back from injury. And you saw some of the throws that he made. That throw to Jimmy Graham, the second one in the back of the end zone, it looked Man. like Graham had no chance of that ball, and that's a big part of Jimmy Graham too, being able to catch that ball with one hand, and when it looked like he was well covered. And Dude, two, uh, two hands, catching the ball, two hands. That's for suckers. Yeah. I don't yeah. know who even bothers. Yeah. It's just one hand, especially touchdown catches. I mean, you want a higher degree of difficulty, so it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just for the poster aspect of it. Then the other thing, you know, putting people on posters, talk about Jimmy Graham, just going all out Olympian and just, just hurtling a dude. Russell goes up under center with two tight ends. The play fake, and Russell's going to half roll left. He's going to dump it off. Jimmy Graham makes the catch. Far side, jumps over a man, and run out of bounds on the far sideline. Welcome to Skeets Nehemiah. (laughs) Jimmy Graham hurdled Darby. I'm telling you, Ronald Darby's having a bad night for the Bills. That time, Jimmy Graham, not only a basketball player and Olympic hurdler, picks up a first down and a 15-yard game. Yeah, you don't want to be posterized like that. That's embarrassing. <laughs> no, that's a bad look, man. That's a bad look. But Jimmy Graham has now fully become integrated in the beast in this offense that we all thought we were getting last year in this trade. And for the first time, I feel like one of these big blockbuster trades that the Seahawks have made to increase the level of talent in the receiving core has finally paid off. Like it feels like it's finally paid off. And I've he's got enough games now on that knee to where I feel confident in it. Mm-hmm. And I it, clearly he does. I mean, hurdling dudes? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And he is such a huge key part to this offense. And it's allowed us to take a little of the pressure off Tyler Lockett as he continues to work back in uh, to being healthier. And it's, it's really 
it's been a giant benefit that way because if we would have been relying on just Baldwin and Lockett as our number one threats, I mean, Mm -hmm. it would have been tough with Lockett with the, with the knee injury. Yeah. So, I mean, Jimmy Graham's been a saving grace and I think I can finally say with confidence trading Max Unger in a first round pick was worth it. Well, especially when you have Justin Britt playing at the top level of his position at center. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, Brittle milk pancakes for everyone. I'm not willing to believe that they planned it that way, but uh, I will accept that it worked out that way. Sometimes life gives you happy mistakes, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) And Jimmy Graham, going back to him, I think he's got to have comeback player of the year locked up already. Yeah, could be that. You could see Brady with that, too. Yeah, that doesn't count. He will get votes for that. You know he will. (laughs) Well, he's going to get votes for MVP, but... Uh, MVP right now looking at pro football focus did their mid-year awards and guess mm-hmm. who they have as their MVP. Oh, probably Tom Russell Carrington Wilson MVP. No way. No way. I think that's deserving. I mean, well, you look at where the Hawks are in the standings now and have a, a, a nice lead in the NFC West. I'm not going to say commanding. It's a nice lead. Mm-hmm. It's a great start. Um, considering all the injuries, that he's played through considering the offensive line that is the worst in pass protection, the worst in run blocking. I mean, he has been an absolute magician in the one steadying hand on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it's hard. You almost want to make the defense MVP. You know what I mean? But it's always going to be an offensive player. It's always going to be a quarterback. And out of everybody in the league, I don't know anybody who's meant more to his team to this point. Well, they do have Brady down as offensive player of the year, but listen to this facts, okay. logic and reason where it comes to Russell Wilson, because I like I, it. Okay. when, when we hear that, I think it's solid to, it's important to point it out. They say Monday night football made up my mind on this choice with Russell Wilson bolting from the pack to earn the midseason MVP award at the last gasp. It's a tight, tight race with multiple players having strong cases, but what Russell Wilson has been able to do given his offensive lines, quote unquote protection, Not to mention with an injured ankle has been ridiculous. He currently sits fourth in pro football focuses quarterback rankings with a grade of 87.9, but the Seahawks Hmm. hold the lowest pass blocking grade as a unit in the entire league. And only four QBs have been under pressure at a greater rate than Wilson 38.1% of his dropbacks. His performance on Monday night was a perfect example of how his play has mitigated that pressure putting the ball in the air early to the right spot and allowing his receivers to go and make a play before the pressure arrives. Man, they, they really summed it up. I mean, that's been the way that Russell Wilson has put uh, the offense on his back this year. I mean, it really is. I mean, give him a cape because he's Superman. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I can't believe, I mean, I can't believe it's just, it's been so fun to watch him progress throughout his career and now be a guy that we look at and we can legitimately say is an MVP caliber uh, quarterback. Yeah. And I mean, looking at the stats too, Russell Wilson, 51 wins the most. You know, he's up there with the most wins in a quarterback in his first five seasons. He's, he's behind Joe Flacco and Matt Ryan, uh, but he still has, seven games left in the season. So mm-hmm. uh, he could lose two games and still uh, tie with uh, or pass. Yeah, he could lose two games and, and tie with Matt Ryan for that lead for through five years. It's surprising that you bring up Matt Ryan in that stat. Uh, 
he did play on some solid teams for the first five years of his career, but also because Matt Ryan's another guy that you look at and could say is in that MVP discussion. Yeah, he was actually the runner-up uh, in Pro Football oh, Focus. They they gave the runner-up award to, to Matt Ryan. So, all right. Yeah, I, and when you look at the offensive line, I think we should talk just quickly before we move on to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Quickly about the offensive line. I looked at Pro Football Focus, and none of the guys along the offensive line uh, were ranked at the as the worst. I guess so. Silver linings. Okay. Silver linings. But let me pull this up because I feel like we need to look at just who at left tackle should be ashamed of themselves. Ronnie Stanley, Baltimore Ravens, left tackle, graded out 27.0. He had a sack, a quarterback hit, three quarterback hurries, and wasn't great in the run game, according to them. Ronnie Stanley, he's been playing left tackle for a good portion of his life. Yeah. George Fent has played two games. (laughs) And ranked higher than him. And ranked higher. So (laughs) take that for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, that that's uh, you're trying to get me to say something nice about fan and <laughs> you can say that it, it, it's, he looks he's good. Not the, his, he, he looks good in his jersey, man. <laughs> he does. And he was better than Ronnie Stanley on the field this last week. Fantastic. I guess that's a step in the right direction. I don't know. What is it? The Malcolm Gladwell rule that you have to have 10,000 repetitions at anything in your life to become a master at it. He'll be retired by the time he gets to 10,000 repetitions. <laughs> That's <laughs> like he would have had a full Walter Jones type career and be retired. Right. Yeah. He's never going to get there. George Fant can physically like his body and just because of time cannot master his position <laughs> per Mal- Malcolm Gladwell. Exactly. Well, Adam, what do you so say? So upside, hooray. You know? <laughs> Complete upside. Nothing but upside, in fact. Right. <laughs> what do you say we move on and talk about this matchup with the New England Patriots coming up Let's on Monday it. Night Football, Adam? It's Sunday Night Football. It's one of the nights. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday night. I just want to make sure everybody tunes in on the right <laughs> night. Plus, I want to do a Carrie Underwood impersonation again. Oh, Sunday night. Now, with my mistake and your singing, this this segment is almost assuredly to be cut uh, <laughs> in, in my post-edit show editing. You're going to cut my singing out? <laughs> I feel like I should. It would make a it a better name. show. What? I, I cut things to make it a better show, Adam. Right. And the, you take out the unintentional comedy of my singing, and it's maybe not a better show. You might be right. Unintentional comedy is pretty funny. That's all I'm getting at. All right. You know what? You know what also is awesome is uh, the intentional overall feeling from the media and the narrative coming from the media about how the Seahawks are hopelessly outclassed in this game. And while my first reaction seeing this come up on the schedule and knowing how the, the season has progressed up to this point and where the team is currently. I was a little I was a little worried, but then as I started to kind of dig into some stuff, this mighty Patriots team isn't the unbeatable juggernaut that they are they are advertised to be. They have chinks, they have weaknesses, and they happen to match up with a few of our strengths. I whatever you're about to say, I'm still not sure you could convince me to not be worried going into this week. You know, the Seahawks not, are are seven and a half point underdogs, and that's Significant because this is a team that does not lose by seven points. In fact, you know, going into their their fourth quarter, they they have a 
a long record going back, I believe, until it was uh, in 2011 was the last time that the Seahawks weren't in the lead or within a score in the fourth quarter of the game. You have to go all the way back to the Steelers when they lost 24 to nothing in 2011. Oh, that's I how that game. That that's, was an ugly game. Yeah, that was an ugly game. But that's how long it's been since the Seahawks have gone into the fourth quarter and not been within a sure. score of winning. Right. That gives you some... Look, I'm not saying not to worry. The Patriots are, right now, seemingly the best team in football. They're seemingly the most complete. I'm not telling you not to worry. I want to give you a little confidence. Because there's one thing... When you look at a matchup that doesn't seem favorable to you, and we haven't had to do this often as Seahawks fans over the last four or five years. I mean, we've walked into pretty much every game thinking we're shaft, basically, and we're going <laughs> to kick the butt out of, out of anybody. We're going to kick their butt. So <laughs> we're going to kick at this, the butt out of them. I, I think I like that better. <laughs> tried to self-correct there, too. <laughs> like that was because I, I, I was going to. I was going to say something that needed a catfish and then I tried to, I tried to save myself and like, yeah, it just didn't, didn't all work out. But anyhow, uh, like you said, whatever it is I'm about to say, it's not going to make you worry or it's not going to make you not worried. Well, let me give you just a little bit of confidence. Let me give let me ask you one question. Brandon. What's the best way to beat Tom Brady? How do you beat Tom Brady? When have you seen him go down? When you can get a pass rush on him. That's exactly right. You get in Brady's face. You collapse a pocket, and then you make it tough on him, a la the AFC Championship game this last year against the Broncos, and he'll still make some plays, no doubt, but they are not the unstoppable juggernaut when you do that. The Seahawks this year are second in the league when it comes to sacking the quarterback. The Patriots, as far as allowing sacks, 21st in the league. That's that's the bottom third of the league. That's not They, they actually give up more sacks than you might think. This Seahawks pass rush has a real chance. This defensive line that we have, even without Bennett, is still very deep. Frank Clark is playing out of his mind, man. Even without Bennett. That's the that's the part of this that I'm having the hardest time with is the fact I'm that the say, Seahawks are without Michael Bennett. Man, if we could have Michael Bennett for this game, it would absolutely increase our chances. Absolutely. But the idea is, is that there's still enough there to make some noise. There really is. And I'm telling you, Frank Clark could have a huge game or a big game this uh, this week. And I really think part of our success hinges on his performance throughout this game. He's going to be the other guy that comes and brings pressure that we're going to need because we all know Cliff, the housing commissioner, Averill, <laughs> is going to be build more houses after this game. He's been literally unstoppable the last few weeks. Holy smokes. No kidding. Uh, he's... He's all he's up there with the league lead in sacks and the the dude who is leading the league with the Bills who we just played. They're going into their bye week. So this this could be the chance for for Cliff Averill to get to make it to the top of the league. And I would love to see him do it against uh, Tom Brady. Everybody in Haiti would too. free houses for everyone. Like that's what that's what they're all hoping for there. But let's let's talk a little bit about. Well, while we're on defensive line. I think uh, another guy that we're going to be looking for is Cassius Marsh. Okay. And I was a little bit worried about Cassius going into this week uh, initially because he had all his magic card decks stolen. Why, where is card decks magic? The, like the, what's magic? Magic about? the gathering. The card game. What do you mean the gathering? The, have the you card ever, game? Have you ever heard of the card game where the people play? They have the magic deck 
And uh, I, that sounds I, like it's cheating if it's a magic deck. <laughs> it's, a, it's the name of the game, Adam. The name of the game is Magic. Yeah, Magic the Gathering. That's what it's called. Have you never heard of this? Why is it Magic the Gathering? Do you like? I don't. I don't get this. No, I've not heard. That about is this. the title of the game. Okay. I know you're not in the Pokemon Go thing. I feel like this is probably you know similar crowds. Maybe I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I, it is I, I just, a, it's a it's a popular trading card game. And oh, so it's like so it's you, you trading co- card. You collect the cards, but you also you can play games with the card. It's not just like baseball cards where you collect the cards. Oh, it's not. It's also a game. It's a, a strategic game. Huh. Okay. Uh, fine. I, I again, I don't know anything about it. So, it just, but he lost his magic decks. Well, he had, he had a he had a bunch of them in his backpack. And he tweets out, you know, he he asks people that uh, whoever stole him, he's going to give you two tickets to the next home game if he gets his cards. Ooh. back. Wow. Well, these are these are valuable. They're, <laughs> they're important to him. I bet it was Bobby Wagner. Yeah, because he, he likes, you know, he probably stole him like the, pretending to be a Ninja Turtle. I don't know. But apparently they got stolen out of his car and uh, his car window smashed and he was pretty disappointed oh. about it. And he had the names of every single one of these decks and <laughs> tweeted them out. And uh, but the the cool thing is, Adam, is that the the maker of the game, uh, Wizards of the Coast, they saw Cassius March's tweets and uh, they responded and, and they met up with him. They kind of replaced what uh, maybe even more so of, of what he lost. So kind of a cool thing. So I wonder if they, those cards have the same mojo, though, like because he's like been to battle with these other cards, right? <laughs> Like the original ones? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I just, it's important to me to know that, that Cassius Marsh was having a down week and that. So his head's going to be right for this page. His head's going to be right now. Thanks to yeah. the the makers of the game, Wizards of the Coast. It's well, very cool. Thank, thank God. I didn't know what the keys to this game were. Now I know it, it was Cassius Marsh's magic cards. <laughs> right. Okay. Maybe let's talk about some things uh, that, uh, you know, are within this universe that are maybe not magic, like third down percentage, because <laughs> right. this is this is my biggest thing. When I look at look at this game is in Brady and the Patriots and in our defense, and, it, and it's going to be flat out third downs. And the thing about it is, is that the Patriots are good on third down. There's no doubt about that. But let us not forget that the Seahawks defense was the best in football. Uh, in third down prevention through the first five weeks. And then the last three weeks, they've struggled. Now, let me ask you something, Brandon. What, what's a, there's, there's a common factor there. Like, there was a player that we had and then a player that we didn't on the defense. And his name is Cameron Chancellor. <laughs> Cam's back for this game. Cam means so much to this defense. They're, one of the big reasons they've struggled on third down is the lack of Cam. And McCray's filled in fairly well. I'm not trying to kill McCray at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy Kelsey McCray is on this team. Thank you, Kelsey McCray. Mm-hmm. But Cam's just different, man. He's a different animal. Last time he saw Brady, he's playing on a busted knee. MCL torn. Still went out there and performed and dang near got us a win. Cam's going to be back for this game and he's going to be huge when it comes to stopping third downs. And the other part of it is it's going to be huge having him there because we don't just have to worry about Gronk. We have to worry about the other brother Bennett. Yeah. Martellus has been tearing it up this year. He really has. He's a plus tight end. In fact, with Bennett, Gronk, and Graham, you have three of the top five tight ends in the league playing in this one game. This is going to be a tight ends fest. Well, and you brought up Rob Gronkowski. 
And that is the one. <laughs> the way you say it, and you brought up Rob. You had to yes. bring him up. You had to bring him well, up. Yeah, bring he us... plays in the game. He does. Look, play if the I, game. if you want me, if you want me to make you happier about Rob Gronkowski, I'll play you the video of Beast and Gronkowski playing video games together with Cohen. <laughs> like we can watch that again if you need to. If we can watch that, and it'll make me up. happy. That's true. Yeah. Okay. But uh, bringing him up, man, that that's one guy. When you look at the Patriots team. That's one guy that even with Cam Chancellor, you have to wonder, is that guy someone you can cover? Or do you just have to accept that he's going to get Robert Woods type production against the Seahawks secondary? You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. I mean, that's really that's really it with Rob Gronkowski. And look, if we can, KJ Wright's been playing at a high level. One thing that I think we learned from the Super Bowl is if they split out Gronk wide, you cannot your your response to that cannot be to trot KJ out to cover him. Mm-hmm. KJ's fine against pretty much everybody else in this league. It's Gronk. We're going to have to try something a little different. I'm not sure what it is. I, I, I wish I would have had more time to break that down and, and come up with a solution of my own. But good news is, is we got really smart dudes who coach the defense who know a heck of a lot more than I do that I'm sure have noticed the same thing. If you trot Gronk out to the to that side, to Richard Sherman's side, let's say. Sure. Do you put Sherman on Gronk? One-on-one? Why not? That's what I wonder. Why not? I mean, I understand it's a strength mismatch, but But Sherm does have a a lot of size for a corner. (laughs) Yeah, Gronk has a strength mismatch with everybody. Yeah, I mean, he's a man (laughs) among boys out there. I mean, it really is. So The other thing that I look at, too, we with Cam Chancellor coming back, we have to remember that the last time these two teams played, Cam Chancellor was doing it on a torn MCL. I, I just mentioned that earlier. You're 100 percent right. I know, Cam and was, when you mentioned it, it just popped back in my head that I, I believe this is something we need to think hard about. I, I think it is too, and I, I do. I think Cam's going to have a huge impact on this defense. Just having him back spiritually for this team is huge. And the idea that I do believe Gronk is going to get his. The key is is we're going to have to make sure Bennett is the one that we keep in check. You can't let them both go off. Yeah, you got you got to try to contain one. I think that's got to be Bennett. Now, that still leaves you Edelman and company uh, with the receivers. We saw Edelman, you know, I mean, he's a beast. He's an absolute beast. Jeremy Lane is going to have his hands full. But again, in the Super Bowl, he played well against Edelman until he was hurt. Yeah, that was so, early on. Yeah. Right. So I really, I really feel like this defense has a chance to put in one of their best performances of the year. There are some things that work in their favor. Now, the the other thing that we haven't talked about is our offense playing their defense. And the thing about New England is, is that they're not quite as dominant on defense as you might think. And the other small factor for them is the fact that they traded away their best defensive player, Jamie Collins. (laughs) Right, just weeks ago to the Browns. Just weeks ago. This will be their first game they play without Jamie Collins. And that's a guy that... Even guys on their own team said that uh, was the best uh, player, defensive player on their team. Now, one thing about the Patriots is they're about middle of the pack play in the run. They're 15th in the league. We've played a few a few teams that have been middle of the road uh, stopping the run, and we couldn't run the ball. We're not going to run the ball in this game. It's not going to happen. Well, Pete has already resigned himself to the fact that they can just throw the football if they need to. Yeah, I I know, but it's <laughs> it is it is a it is a bummer. You know what I'm saying? Like it is a bummer that that's the case. But with that said, the Patriots aren't great against the pass. They're really not. 
the uh, a lockdown pass defense. And the f- first place this all starts and stops for us is we talk about our nauseam is a pass protection and making sure that Russell Wilson stays clean. We saw that the offensive line held their own against a very talented Bills defensive line. The thing about the Patriots is they're 28th in the league at sacking the quarterback. 28th. Mm. There's only four teams worse at it than they are. And they don't have Jamie Collins now. And now they don't have Jamie Collins. So I look at that and I think Russell Wilson's going to have a chance to get out there and carve some guys up. I think that is a huge advantage for the Seahawks. The other thing is these, these Patriots have been on a roll, but let's talk about some of the guys they faced up until this point. And I'm going to start with uh, their, the best quarterback that they faced this year, Andy Dalton. That's the best quarterback they faced. Here's the, here's the list of the others. Carson Palmer, who's struggling. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, who used to play receiver. <laughs> Brock Osweiler, who's he's a mess in Houston right now because of terrible coaching. Another Montana quarterback, though. I think we need to mention that. Yeah. He would, he, I don't think I've ever seen Brock Osweiler uh, flop. No. No, he does not flop. Also, Tyrod Taylor, who we just saw this last week. and uh, But again, the Bills beat the one loss was to the Bills and Tyrod Taylor. When Brady wasn't playing. I understand that. And they but the, Bills still had, six, the Bills scored 16 points. They still won. Right. Cody Kessler for the Browns and Landry <laughs> Jones. These are the, this isn't murderer's row no. that these guys are stopping. Russell Wilson is easily the best quarterback that they're going to have to face uh, up until this point of their season. I, I really I really like the idea of our pass offense taking advantage of a weak Patriots uh, pass defense. I mean, look, it, when it comes down to uh, just pure yardage, just pass yards, they're below average. They're 18th in the league. These guys can be had through the air, and with a guy like Jimmy Graham playing like he is, man, this is going to be a battle of two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks battling against two future Hall of Fame tight ends, and it's going to be who makes more plays in the end. Yeah, the one thing that you didn't point out, though, the the Patriots defense, number two in the league in points allowed right now. 16 and a half points per game is what they're allowing. Right. And, for, and we're number three. Right. And, and the Patriots have only scored 25 points in two games. This, or we've only given up 25 points or more in two games this season. And the last time we or the most points we've ever given up Tom Brady is 26. Okay. So, I mean, it, it, it's not like they're going to just go in and hang a 40 burger. There, it's going to be a, 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 an affair that if we can keep our red zone defense is one of the best in the league when it comes percentage wise. One of the tops. Uh, we're actually second in the league when it comes to that. Patriots are good on offense of that. But if we can hold them to field goals instead of touchdowns, that's going to be a giant key to the game. Yeah, red zone defense is key. The other thing that I think is really key, and we don't talk about this very much, and especially considering uh, you know all about the ball, Coach Carroll and turnovers. Mm-hmm. But this this Seahawks team has won plenty of games where they've lost the turnover margin. This isn't one of those games where you can lose the turnover margin and and beat the Patriots. You you have to out turnover this Patriots team. Or at least play them to a draw in that way. Right. And and then and then it comes down to the red zone. Right, exactly. So that's how I and, feel about it anyway. And the thing is is that the Seahawks are are pretty darn good when it comes to not turning the ball over. I mean, fifth in the league. So as far as the the offense is concerned. 
So it's not like they're going to be coughing it up, you know, all over the place. I, no. I think I think it'll be a low turnover game. But you know, just like I thought the Bills game would be a nine six slugfest. Who the hell knows? <laughs> May well, have been a little off on that prediction, folks. I think you may have to predict a low-scoring game by the Seahawks so they can come out and do the exact opposite. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's going to struggle. This offensive line has no chance. I mean, both Gronk and Bennett are going to go for 300-odd-some yards apiece <laughs> and probably four scores each and seven years ago, too. Like, I just, I, I don't know. This is going to be rough. There, there's no chance. There's no hope. No hope at all. No hope. Well, one guy that I've been waiting to hear from as soon as I saw that the Seahawks were going to be playing the oh, Patriots on the, the schedule. conspiracies on the Bloom conspiracies. <laughs> and uh, I, I just can't wait to get to this call, Adam. Let, let's see what okay. Dave Bloomquist has to say. And cue the X-Files music. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Adam. Dave Bloomquist here, Hong Kong Hawk. And I want to thank you guys for that recap show after the Monday night game. That was really cool. I hope we can hear more of those recaps. And I just wanted you to know that, yes, you were right. I was immediately thinking about my conspiracy theory, and I actually wrote a post on the Ring of Honor. I'll read that. So now we travel cross-country on a short week to face a team coming off their bye. A team facing their toughest opponent of the season. A team that was given an unprecedented three home games when their cheating quarterback was suspended to start the season. And my conspiracy theories are wacko? Judge for yourselves, my fellow 12s. And of course, that's accompanied by a picture of Roger Goodell about to put his hand on Robert Kraft's sack. So as you can imagine, I am not very optimistic that we're going to get a win out of this. I think the deck is stacked against us, but I will be rooting hard. I took the day off so I can watch Monday morning and I can just hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. So... Go Hawks, and I hope I don't get penalized for picking the Patriots in the pick'em. <laughs> Is he really picking the Patriots in the pick'em? You look, I can understand the feeling because we all know we we've, we've watched football this year. We see yes. the Patriots, and and they do look like they're the number one team, and everyone else. But you don't pick. You don't pick against your team ever. That's, yeah, that's ruining the mojo. That's why Ever. we have the negative 40 rule in the pick them in the first place. And so here's the thing for, for, for Bloomquist there is like, I just laid out a bunch of things that should help him feel a little more confident about picking his team like a man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on and do it. Now, look, the one, the idea that they give the Patriots a buy right before we're going to travel out there and all that. Yeah. Is there an advantage? Yes. Is it something the league sits down and thinks about? Maybe. I don't know. It's a lot like whining about the officials to me. Yeah, those are the circumstances. Maybe it goes against you. Maybe it goes for you at times. But at the end of the day, you got to make the plays and you just got to go out there and win. That's it. Like, there's no, I just, it, it, it's excuses. That's what those sound like to me is excuses. Go as out to, and win. As to why, as to why you're going to go and pick the Patriots in the pick em league. Man, that, and for Dave, such a Patriots hater too, to be on board with that. Oh, see, he would have to, he'd feel so dirty. It was say if he won that pick and did that like that, right? He'd have to shower for three days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that couldn't come off. Like, that'd be tough. Right. That'd be tough. And, and I don't know if they allow you that much water in Hong Kong. <laughs> going back, the Seahawks prime time record, 16-3-1 is their prime time record under Coach Carroll since 2010. 16-3-1 in prime time games. Yeah. That sounds a lot like 17-3-1 to me. I like it. Yeah. 
I don't know. I look. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys and be like, Hawks are going to win this game hands down, no problem. Look, they this have a chance. Be a battle. They do have, they have a chance. They have a very solid chance. They have a significant chance. And these are guys that their entire careers have been told no. Russell Wilson was told no. Sherman was told. I mean, you guys all know the stories. Two first round draft picks on this roster. There's not a lot of guys that came into this league high on the hog that are starters for this team. This team always plays its best when it's doubted the most. When when they're told they can't. When they're told they're too small. They're not good enough. Their their defense is tired. They don't have Bennett. You don't have Rawls. The Patriot Tom Brady is killing the league. He's going to take over everything. Man, that is a recipe for success for the Seahawks, man. You give them that narrative. Give them that bullet to board material. I promise you, these guys are going to come ready to freaking play. Well, with that, let's take a break. Come back after the break. Let's hear what Clinton Bonner has to say about his segment this week and three in, three out. This week's three and three out, it's the return of the sexy deep balls versus sexy Rexy's bills. We know who came out on top, but what were the nooks, the crannies, and one-handed grabsies that made it so? Why are we talking Mount Rushmore, and did we observe a big-time lane violation? We're gonna have to read this week's article written exclusively for the Seahawkers podcast. Thanks to Clinton Bonner. Definitely check out three in three out at seahawkerspodcast.com slash three i three o and if you want to contribute make sure you hashtag three i three o with either an in or an out and uh, clinton bonner will be following those throughout the game oh you betcha man get in with that uh, clinton writes a great article every single week and he's opening it up to you guys because much like with the show here we want it to be kind of your show and get as much input from you guys as possible clint wants to do the same thing with the blog man and it, it's sweet it's a fun experience and we got a lot to talk about in the second half of the show. Uh, we got some reviews on iTunes. We have some donations and some new members of the flock. Awesome. Got, we got your email. And of course, we got to do better and better at life. Perfect, man. Well, let's get into it. And we got to talk about winners for for the Pick'em Leagues, Adam. Uh, so do you want to talk about me then? <laughs> no. Uh, Are you, you want, sure? We can just skip the segment altogether. I feel like I'm. I've, I feel like I must be close to the winners category this week. You may be close, but you are in fact not a winner. Oh, I'm not a that, winner. I don't know if that makes you a loser completely, but uh, definitely. Well, I, I like how you softened it for me. So my little <laughs> like, if I were a millennial, I wouldn't cry about it. <laughs> like that's nice. No, you can call me a loser. I can take it. Okay, I know you can. Yeah. I'm a Gen Xer. Hey, you know, someone who's not a loser. Uh, congrats to Washington State's new lieutenant governor and listener of the show, Cyrus Habib, Adam. OK, I know we said we would be politics free and like, I don't know anything about Cyrus's politics. <laughs> I, I, I don't because I don't live in Washington, but I know he's a good dude. And like he listens to the show. He's a fellow 12. He's a, he's a, he's a good dude. And so I'm really excited for him. I hope it's everything that uh it's cracked up to be, and uh, that sounds like a lot of responsibility, so good luck, dude. <laughs> well, more, more than I'd want on my plate. Yeah, no kidding. But in the spirit of bipartisanship, Adam, I, I'd also like to congratulate any of our other listeners who won their election this week. Yes, yeah. Yeah, if you happen to be in a position of power, let us know. I mean, it <laughs> would be, be kind of nice. Kind of nice to know. We would congratulate you on the show just like we did Cyrus. <laughs> exactly, and not not to expect any favors in the future whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Well, let's look down the leaderboard of our Seahawkers podcast, Pick'em League. 
at the top. Easley Street, number one, ahead by 40 points. Man. I know. Just He can't. Being on top, man, Easley Street's been putting it together. Like, week in, week out. Solid. I mean, that's... Give him credit. That's some consistency. I know. I think when you pick a solid name like that, it probably helps uh, propel you into the one mojo of helps, slots, man. Yeah. The mojo helps. You got uh, M Jelly 20 at 1120 points and then followed up in third place tied between the Drop Bears and DMK 555. Awesome, man. You guys are killing it, I, but I'm not far behind at 980. Like I'm closing in. And the weeks have been strong week in week out. And I made awesome picks this week. You were, yeah, feeling, you you were up there pretty close. Yeah, but, but 40 uh, this week? No, I'm talking about this upcoming week. I just we just recorded the pick show, man. I made awesome picks. Awesome picks. This week's going to be good for me. <laughs> oh, you're you're talking about this upcoming week. Yeah, dude, I made awesome picks. They're going to be great. Well, uh you can't get any awesomer than uh Roden Kelly senior uh this last week, 220 points. Holy hell, seriously? Leaderboard. Is that a perfect week? That's what you get when you pick a perfect week. Who is that again? Roden Kelly Sr. Looks like the Dude. username is. Oh, well, fantastic. I hope they're so proud right now. A button pops right off their shirt. Well, like, you know what I'm going to do. I I'm, don't know that I've seen a perfect week. Yet. We, we haven't seen a perfect week. And so what I'm going to do, uh, email in or I will look down the list of those who have submitted their usernames. And right. Roden Kelly Sr. gets to choose between a pair of the, the, the Seahawks uniform Pants that we ordered at the beginning of the season or trousers. Uh, Tr- I was going to say, not pond. pants. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I know. You say pants yeah. and uh, they start uh, wondering People about underwear and things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, either that or a Dangerous Wilson uh, poster. Ooh, good prizes. Well-deserved, man. With the, with the You pick a perfect week, week, you get a prize. That's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm impressed. But that lets you know, like you pull off a perfect week, you could make up some huge points on people. Oh, yeah. 220 points. Holy smokes. I'm That's surprised massive. we're not seeing uh, seeing them up in the among the leaders after a week like that. That is huge. Yeah, maybe maybe they went to auto pick for a week or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking over at the, at the Seahawkers podcast patron league and we do prizes on this one every single week. Uh, I need to get these sent out here shortly, too. And that reminds me stickers, Adam. I have started sending out stickers. I sent yes. out the first batch today. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic, man. And the Easley Street leading up this league as well. The Drop Bears right behind and uh, followed by Rawls Out, Balls Out in third place. Ooh, man. All right. Same kind of the same names we hear week in, week out. They're 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 sticking up there. They're I, generally good at picking, it seems like. I guess. All right. I'm going to start looking back at their picks just to see. I'm just curious. And the leader of week nine in the Seahawkers podcast patron league, Montesnix. With 160 points. I bet you that's a Montana resident. It could be. I'm just guessing. Yes, if that is you and you got 160 points in our Seahawkers podcast patron league, make sure and send us an email or, or hit us up on the website. Go Hawks at SeahawkersPodcast.com or... Uh, any other way through the website at seahawkerspodcast.com. And so to get into the Pick'em League, though, that's pretty easy to do. If I'm if I'm not uh, or the Patron League, that's that's easy to do. Like if I'm not mistaken, I mean, really, all you got to do is you go to patreon.com and you find the Seahawkers podcast and 
You donate. What is it like? It's a lot of money. I know it's a, it's an absorbent amount of money per month. We ask for uh, to participate in uh, in the kind of I guess premium league. I guess you'd yeah. always put it three bucks a month gets you into Whoa, wait, three the bucks a month. I know. Are you three out bucks now? A, that's highway. That's highway robbery. We're trying to get rich off this podcast. Clearly, <laughs> we're 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 a couple of just money grubbers, man. Like that. That must be it. It must be. So. That's the only explanation. Yeah, I mean, not the fact that I, we I, that we have to pay for the prizes or anything. But. No, 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 we're greedy, man. Like <laughs> we do this to hear ourselves talk because uh, you know that's fun, and uh, you know to feel like a big deal and to make tons and tons of money, <laughs> and then run for president. Man, we we're almost to step one of that plan. <laughs> <laughs> hear ourselves talk. Well, we've started the yeah, <laughs> we've we've got that part down. Mm-hmm. But yes, you can go to getintheflock.com and uh, join there. See, we've made it even easier because spelling Patreon is is too difficult. Just go to getintheflock.com. You betcha. And like and I said, we're sending out did, stickers. And there were some people who did just that uh, this last week. Yes. Number one, Aaron Lane. Get He'll be getting stickers in the mail here soon. Not with this first batch, but as soon as we get through the next batch. And then we have a couple new Ring of Honor members. Jeremy Miner, uh, he moves up. Uh, and we hung out with Jeremy. He sat two seats away from him at the football game this weekend. Jeremy's awesome, dude. That, him and Road, that was it was fantastic to for me to finally get to meet them both face to face. Yeah, and that was my first time uh, meeting Jeremy too. You know, we've talked to Roe uh, plenty of times, or I have. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and then also another person that we met at the game, John Tisdale. Well, you met it. I've, I've met John down at the San Francisco game right. last year um, in in Santa Clara. Yeah, but the first time I got to meet John, really great dude. I, I know I keep saying that, oh, they're really great people. But that's the thing. This community, it's full of really great people. It's amazing. And so he will be joining guys. the Ring of Honor as well. Speaking of great people, we have an executive producer for this an week's show, Adam. executive producer? Okay. When you donate uh, $100 to the show, you get executive wow. producer credit for, for this episode of the show. All right. Um, episode so 131. Who, so who do, we, who do we take our marching orders from this week? <laughs> Radu Margarent, he he will be giving us some well, wow, and maybe marching orders for for the show the, for the next show. But uh, just an incredibly generous donation. Uh, thanks, Radu. That is huge. I can't thank you enough, man. Like when you hear amounts like that, I mean, we're talking like three dollars a month, and when somebody's like that generous, it's just like, wow. Yeah, it that, covered our uh, gas out to Seattle. Essentially, it did it really did? It makes it makes those trips uh, doable for for me. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, one thing we talked a little bit about last month about it being Flocktober to get in the flock. Yeah. Well, th- this this month being November, we I, I figured out what we're calling this month because to get more people in the flock because we need more of you. It's fun having the flock together is uh, Mo members. Mo members. Instead no- yeah. yeah. Instead of November, Mo members. So we, you know what we we're hoping for this month? Mo members. Get in the flock dot <laughs> com. Let's go, folks. I like it. Well, what do you say we get onto some reviews and email, Adam? Mm-hmm. Couple of reviews here. First one, a three star. This is a real three star review, Adam. Not the not the meh ones that we called out Seriously? for before. This is an actual three star review from TZ Shaw twenty nine. Okay. If you if you like listening to Seattle Bias, uh, Adam Emmert <laughs> is a goof. Uh, reminds me of the guys you see at the bar that is a Hawks fan but doesn't understand the game. Uh, oh. So- <laughs> Seahawks can do no wrong, according to Adam, and this podcast gets old fast. I'm going to listen to the UK podcast. Well, okay then. I, well, you know that's uh, that's interesting. You'd think if you're listening to another Seahawks podcast that you'd be a Seahawks fan of some kind, but 
But he's right. I never say the team does anything wrong. So. No, and that's, that's a fair. I, I wonder a fair if we, review. Some people get our names wrong. I I tend to wonder if this criticism is more for me. Oh, I no, this is for me. I, he's a goof. That that's probably me. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm pretty goofy too. Well, that's true. I guess I don't know. You know I, more about a, the game than me, so I could be the one that doesn't understand the game. But how do neither, I know more about I, the game? Well, neither neither of us really know the game. I mean, we're fans. We're not. Uh, I look. I'll <laughs> say this, Brandon. I, I'll put. If you just take random fan from, you know, whatever fandom and you put him up against us to talk about football, I would put my football knowledge up against any other guy who didn't play or was a wasn't a coach in the game. Fan like, knowledge. I mean, fan knowledge. Okay. I know. I know that both of our fan knowledge is high <laughs> that. Yeah, that, I don't worry about it. But hey, thanks for the review, man. Three stars. You know what? Three stars is it? One star. It's it's two stars better than one star. Yeah. So whichever one of us he didn't find quite as annoying, which is probably you, uh, you got you you pulled us up a couple stars. So thanks, Brandon. And there's nothing wrong with going to listen to the pedestrian podcast either. Not at all. They do good good work. I hope he enjoys it over there. I know. At least if you're going to listen to a Seahawks, I mean, you you should find one Seahawks podcast that you like to listen to. Yeah. No. The funny part is he's like, oh, if you like to listen to Seahawks bias, lo and behold, you got some on a Seahawks fan podcast. Oh my stars! I'm sorry to I'm sorry to shock you. <laughs> well, here's a five star review to pick us up from All Become Me. Uh, this podcast is catfish. Good. Be careful. This podcast is very addictive. Yeah, you, it's the heroin we sprinkle into your stream. Mm-hmm. It's what it, it's what it does. It makes you think the Seahawks can do no wrong. <laughs> exactly. But thank you very much for the five star review. It is kind, and that's the thing. Is like we have so many that come in that are that are very positive and we thank you guys for that and it's great and i don't care i don't care if it's uh one three five whatever it is hit the review button man the more reviews we get the higher we rise in the rankings it does help and it helps other fans find it and decide if they like it or not i so, just think it's cool that we got a legitimate three-star review like we had the first to, one had ever to, we had to ask for three-star reviews before now we're getting right? legitimate ones yeah that's fine I know. I'm into it. Well, Adam, let's get into some email. Okay. I don't, and I don't know if you get the reference either. I, I I've been drawing out the e on email for a while. I, I don't remember. Do you remember listening to George Ostrom uh, on KOFI with his his mean while? I remember George Ostrom, but I do not remember that oh. being his catchphrase. Oh yeah, the mean while. I just remember him catfish about uh, Canadian border patrol constantly. Oh, like he's always getting harassed at the border, like going back and forth. And he just—he's old. He's like a—he's kind of like uh, Paul Harvey, but mm-hmm. you know, he's a the little Paul more Harvey of, our, of the Flathead Valley. Of the Flathead Valley, and uh, yeah, that was that was definitely something that we listened to growing up. Well, that's just my little throwback to him because I working oh, okay. with him at the at KOFI. Well, a nod. All right, a little nod to, to good old G George. All right. Here's one from Matt from New Jersey. It says, first of all, thanks as always for everything. The season has been pretty tough so far, but you guys have definitely helped make it easier to any listeners who aren't subscribed to the All 32 Picks and IPAs podcast. Do better. Besides Jared, uh, I refuse to spell it the way he does. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. It's a ton of fun and they get to curse. I don't know about you, but I enjoy a good F-bomb every now and then. And boy, does Adam do a good job with them? <laughs> great content. A lot of practice, Matt. A lot of practice. <laughs> great content, great laughs, and lots of great information from around the NFL. But back to Hawks. We've got a great team. And when you look at the skill positions, quarterbacks, and obviously our defense is playing amazing. 
but it's becoming clearer every week that our O-line is not going to just fix itself. I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I was curious where you guys think the team can make some cap space for a better O-line next season. Who's expendable? Who's up for a new contract, etc.? Also, I have a theory that the podcast Hakra is a bit off balance. Change the opening clip of Adam talking about drafting tackles and replace it with something more positive. And I truly believe that the positive Hakra will then emanate outward into the universe and our Seahawks will then have the proper spiritual balance to get into the playoffs and win another Super Bowl. I would like to add that I have pretty much no idea what I'm talking about, but I think it sounded pretty convincing. Thanks as always for everything. You guys rock. Go Hawks from Matt. Go Hawks. Matt, look, I know you said you just sounded like that you didn't know anything. You sounded like you knew everything. That's a brilliant suggestion. We we got that's what we're that's we, and I think you took it to heart, correct? I, I did take it to heart. I put it in the intro. I changed it up uh, for the last episode when we did the post game show for the Bills. So yeah. yes, this I I think it's important uh, where we where we're noticing maybe the Hawker a bit off balance that we yeah. have to balance it out. And I think that was it. it we were due anyway for a new intro, and yes. uh, this was the motivation I needed to get it done. Yeah, I, that's great. Hey Matt, it, bring suggestions like that all day, man. It, 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 that's great and look I'm glad you enjoy uh, the occasional F-bomb and uh, that is a great reason to p- choose or tune into Picks and IPAs uh, also if you want to hear killer picks each week uh, you can do that too because I just I deliver them like gold you, like you've been delivering week. lately I, yeah. I do have to admit that you're going down this week though <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not those you, are beautiful you may score 60 points you mean 160 points? No, no. I think you're 100 long on that. On that I guess. think. I think. I think. I think somehow you're stuttering before you say 100, and you're <laughs> supposed to be saying 160. You know, before we move on, let's let's talk about Matt and this idea about the the offensive line and where the team can make some cap space for the O line next season. Where do you see it, Adam? I, we we actually talked a little bit about this on the trip over, uh, thinking thinking ahead ourselves, mm-hmm. and because it does appear that you just can't spend the minimal amount on an offensive line from season to season, I, I feel like they need to dedicate a little bit more money there to balance things out. They do. They got. They have to find a way to do that. And we talked. I mean, the two guys that really this next off season that uh, their contracts aren't due up, but. They're due for extensions via the precedent that Schneider has set with the three years plan your deal and then get re up is either Bennett or Cam. And the and look, when everybody was killing Bennett about the idea that he wanted more money and everything, this is why right here. He get he gets hurt. You know, I mean, that could have been a lot worse than it was. Mm-hmm. And now your ability to make money on that next contract has now decreased a lot. So that's when everybody says selfish overpaid athlete, like that's where that's where they're coming from. But to get on to the question to Bennett and Cam. Look, we're we're gonna see this team play without Bennett for a few weeks, so I guess that's one way to evaluate it. We've seen it play without Cam for a few weeks, and look, Kelsey McCray is no Cam Chancellor, but the defense can function with Kelsey McCray. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that we can you know sustain it going forward without Michael Bennett. And look, Cam's at that point in his career, too, where the body does just break down. I mean, he got injured. The bye beat him this last week, and we haven't seen it. Or, you know, these last few weeks, Mm -hmm. we haven't seen it. Yeah, coming out of the bye is when he got injured. So for me, 
trade cam. I let him go do something. And then I use that money and I sign three mid-tier offensive players. Right. Because Cam does still have one year under his contract. That's what I'm saying. But it does jump significantly. And that was a big reason for his holdout. He saw the writing on the wall, essentially, and that uh, that was a possibility. So I, I do think that points per game is a good measure of of when a, when you can point to one guy being out. And this this team was without Cam Chancellor. Points per game still did very well. Um, and I think it was almost even with uh, historically um, having Kelsey McCray in there to, to match up with how many points they're giving up per game. Now, you maybe have to factor in opponents and things, but like you said, competence-wise, um, seems sufficient. And yeah, I think I, I don't want to see this defense much longer without Michael Bennett because getting pressure on the quarterback ultimately is the measure of you see it with so many defensive teams winning championships it's because they can get pressure on the quarterback yeah no and that's i mean you put it in a nutshell right there so that's my thoughts on it we'll see what happens heck we might just pay them both and uh play with four offensive linemen next year yeah because that's all you can field it's all you can field uh-huh. <laughs> i don't think there's a flag for too few men on the field i can know that i don't think there is either but uh it does it, it, your offense would struggle who knows? Maybe Russell Wilson can overcome that too. Yeah. Well, he can use another challenge. Why not? That's good. This is going to be a topic that we carry through the off season, though. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Here's one from Garrett in Espanola uh, at Strach, Strach and Banks on Twitter. Hey guys, what a first half! Jimmy Graham is back to being the player we traded our best O lineman for, and with only one hand too. Would like to see Adam Moore out of C. Michael, but at least Wilson was lighting the defense up. With the rushing TD, do you think we will still have to listen to Wilson's knee woes? Oh well. Gotta love Carpenter leaving the game, then missing the kick. That's what happens when you try to get away with a soccer-like dive. Exactly. As for the second half, I know that Sherman's INT at the beginning of the third quarter wasn't the same situation, but when I saw the ball in the air going to that back corner and Sherman tracking it, I knew a good outcome would come about. All I could think of was the immaculate deflection. With the exception of some key plays, our defense just doesn't seem like us. Definitely have some work to do. Not a fan of giving up more than 20 points back to back. Offense fell flat in the third. Oh, why? Oh, why? Chris Richard was it a, <laughs> was awesome seeing more make such impactful tackles. That fourth quarter was nerve wracking. What a game. What a win. What a Monday night football game. Best of the primetime games this year by far. Oh, and the best fans in the world from Garrett. Yeah, and Garrett brings up a good point about yeah. uh, about more on the defensive line, right? Because yeah. that was a guy that we kind of you know joked about. Oh, you know, oh, it's cute that that's the guy that they got at the trade deadline. <laughs> I think I, I think I was a little more searing than that, like it, you know, because all I talk about is the good things that the Seahawks do. But like, no, like seriously, like bringing a defensive lineman instead of offensive lineman. But he he played well. He did. He made some plays. He jumped off the screen for a guy on the defensive line making tackles. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, there's a lot to that. I think the idea uh, that Garrett brought up, too, is like how much are we going to have to hear about Russell's knee and the injuries and for a while, but it's going to be lesser every week as he performs better and better as this continues to get healthier and healthier. So mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that you won't have to deal with. And, you know, you talk about the woes of the offense and struggling, you know, down the stretch. Well, heck, the healthier he gets and the further on we go, yeah, you're going to have less of that, too. So I think all signs point up. 
Shane Roberts in Clearwater, Kansas says, well, you guys got to see an exciting game Monday night. A little more exciting than it should have been. I think we are all a little concerned about the defense after what Buffalo did. Maybe you'll touch on this in the podcast, but I am wondering about the secondary and Jeremy Lane. I thought the Hawks played press coverage and, and this meant being up on the receiver and knocking him off his route when he releases. Am I mistaken or do we not play press coverage anymore? Because the DBs are almost always 8 to 10 yards off their man and it drives me nuts. If they can't play tight man-to-man, they need to be replaced. As for Jeremy Lane, I've always thought he was a great player and it was a huge loss when he went down in the Super Bowl. But now, to me, he seems to be a liability. He struggles in coverage and making tackles. Am I being overcritical or do you see it too? Thanks for the awesome podcast. Go Hawks from Shane and Clearwater. Hey, thanks for listening all the way in Kansas, man. But, uh, man, some people coming out with shots fired at Jeremy Lane. Shots you, fired, Brandon. People, you have people one down week and, and people are going after you. Woo, standard be high. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a high standard for Jeremy Lane. I mean, the, he got paid this offseason, right? And he, he was kind of a guy that I think we maybe expected a little more uh, flash from than we've been seeing this year. Dude, I... You know what I love about Jeremy Lane up until this last game? I haven't had to think about it. Yeah, well, that's that's part of the thing. I, he just made it no, himself noticeable. And it, like yeah. we talked about before, it wasn't completely bad. But what about the press coverage thing? And do you want to uh, speak to that a little bit, Adam? Because I, I know it does kind of tend to be a matchup situation. And, and it may be down and distance situation as well. You, you don't see them playing press coverage, especially when it's third and long. And, and maybe that is a little bit frustrating because... Uh, they tend to keep their eyes on the quarterback, but it also allows the players to kind of sneak in within the zones and, and pick up, you know, 23 yards on a third and 21. Yeah, that that soft kind of prevent playoff the, the man. And, and, and I hate that crap, man. I hate that crap. What got you to that point to where they're in third and 21? Mm-hmm. You played bump and run. You got in their face. You knocked them off their routes and you said, you can't beat me deep. Then do that when it comes time to try to beat you deep. Like, I I get the philosophy of it. I do. Just in practice, it doesn't work. I mean, it, it does sometimes, but it's just maddening, man. It just it feels like you give up more doing that. because And then you get an offense in rhythm, right? Because if you start playing that soft coverage and that off coverage, then it, gets, it lets a quarterback get in rhythm as well. And then, the, then you convert a couple third downs and the quarterback gets some confidence and all that. And I think that all plays a factor into it. And I'd, I'd love to see him play even more physical than they do. And the other reason why I say it's a matchup issue is because when you have a, a running quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, you yeah. tend to want to have the defensive backs eyes on the quarterback you and play a see, lot more zone. Yeah. See when he escapes the pocket and you also, and one of the good things about seeing when a player escapes the pocket is you can do something like Richard Sherman does and give the receiver a little bump because there is no illegal contact. Once the receivers out there, once the quarterback is outside the pocket, I like how you call laying a dude, the catfish <laughs> out. This is a little bump, a little bump, this is a little, a little bump. bump, just a little bump. Yeah. The receiver can't handle a little bump. I mean, he doesn't, doesn't serve to catch the ball anyway. Yeah, that's what it gets. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that doesn't happen on more plays around the league. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really surprised. The second a quarterback leaves a pocket that every receiver isn't level. I think defensive backs are scared to get penalties. I guess. 
I mean, that, that could be a part of it. It is tough because they do call it awful tough on DBs overall throughout the league. I mean, because they want more offense. Yeah. Alex from the Bay Area writes in, says, hey, guys, I love the show and have been listening for years. I have a couple of questions. Number one, I've been thinking about getting a second jersey and I can't pick between Cliff Averill and Jimmy Graham. I already have Sherman's jersey because he's the best corner in the game, but I can't pick between what I believe is the best pass rusher and the best tight end. I'm a broke college student, so I can't really afford more than one. Do you have any thoughts? Number two, until Bennett and Chancellor are healthy, should I expect performances like the past couple weeks? Thanks, guys. I appreciate everything you guys do, and I'm looking forward to an awesome season. Well, thanks, Alex, and uh, especially down in the Bay Area. I know it's tough to get Seahawks news, but to to your jersey question, this is real simple to me. Uh, Basically, he has a Sherman jersey already, right? Yeah. And he plays defense. Go with with Jimmy and get an offensive player, and now, depending on how you're feeling, if you're feeling like a little more defensive on a day or a little more offensive, you you can go either way. I do like that. And if you buy a Jimmy Graham jersey, I heard that you can start to open beers with just one hand. Like, (laughs) you don't even need to because two hands for suckers. I do like Cliff Averill, though. That was the one jersey that I looked for when I was in Seattle. And the the bummer thing to me, in the stadium pro shop, Adam, I couldn't find a Cliff Averill jersey. Really? Didn't see one. Interesting. I was looking for hoodies, so I, I, I didn't notice that. No, I was looking for Cliff Averill. Didn't see one disappointing yeah i'm not a jersey buyer so yeah that is a bummer that's one guy though that you know not even before all of his uh his work oh, no. with haiti you've and, always been big with cliff Averill. i know sure. i know but neither rightfully guy, so both really good guys too so that's right. that's the that's i could see that being a tough decision yeah especially with jimmy's backstory and all that man i know like, yeah yeah so i don't know that, that'd be my suggestion balance go it out with, go offense yeah go offense Plus, double eights looks cool. It does. Here's the last one from Mike King. Holy catfish! (laughs) Yep. That was an entertaining game. Watching Tyrod Taylor slip through the hands of would-be tacklers is completely mind-numbing. That must be how fans of every other team feel like when they have to face Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Matt and I are on the same wavelength. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. However, Rex, let's dial it back with the trolling a bit. Not only did he name Harvin as the team captain for the game, he also had him wear number 11. Poke the bear much? And look how it worked out for you. Idiot. I might say that Rex should do better. But then again, buffoon slash villain might just be the perfect role for him. Thanks for the great show, guys. I look forward to it every week from Arizona. No doubt the lucky hat played its part in this win. (laughs) And one more quick note to Brandon, big ups for you, for the help you've given me, finding a place to watch my Hawks on the road. It was a big help. On to New England, go Hawks, from Mike. All right, Mike. I think I called him Matt earlier. I'm sorry, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. It's a lot of names. We had Matt earlier. Uh, Well, Mike, one of the things you brought up was Rex. And my only question for Rex on all the trolling is, what has this ever actually given you an advantage? Like, I mean, I don't know that it ever has. So at that point, then, is it just for his own personal amusement? And if it is, then fine. Go ahead. <laughs> but Percy Harvin didn't do squat in that game. No. I mean, fine. Well, that's a good lead in to our do better segment, Adam. You bet. Do better. Who, who you got? My do better this week is for Dean Blandino, vice president of officiating for the NFL. Dino Blandino. Dino Blandino. And... 
the reason why he landed on my list this week, it wasn't so much that his comments about Richard Sherman, if he wants to say that he if he feels that that should be a 15 yard penalty as the VP of officiating, he can he can has definitely have an educated opinion on the rule book. It, it seems to me from from what I've read is that if you do get your hand on the ball, that uh, the kicker is fair game. But Apparently, uh, you know, maybe there's something else that he's looking at as far as it being unnecessary roughness. I don't know. But the fact is, calling out the refs before he even had a chance to talk to them. He was on Twitter during the Monday night football game and tweeting out, calling out the refs, saying essentially that they should have flagged Richard Sherman on that particular play. And to be to be calling out your employees like you don't usually when you hear things from your boss it's kind of in a private scenario right you don't want to find out for a couple days yeah they, they call you into the office and all that yeah yeah you don't want to find out that your boss is calling you out publicly during the game calling into question your integrity while you are on the field calling a game as a referee that to me is really bad form for a, a guy to be doing stuff like that and and that's how you lose your referees by by doing stuff like that it just you want to actually talk to them before you give an opinion as the league sit them down say hey what did you see here because this is what i saw i want to hear from you what did you see on this particular play and understand what it was like because that's the big criticism that uh that players give a lot of these rule makers right is that they've never played the game and you don't know what it's like to be refing a game either to 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 know what it takes you saw the confusion in those final minutes oh man <laughs> it just to me to be second guessing your refs as they're making the calls on the field man dean Blandino, do better i can't imagine like working in the sawmill and like setting up to grind a wheel with all the equipment and Maybe I mismeasure the wheel the first time or like whatever. And in the middle of it, like having some dude behind my back, like tweeting out at Adam of the rant doesn't know what the catfish he's doing right now. He's a complete idiot. He screwed this up three different ways. Man, that, that'd be so demoralizing. It uh, you, you want your boss to if there's some kind of misunderstanding or dissatisfaction to come to you first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, might do better. This week, Brandon, is for a guy who I promise you doesn't tweet out things about his employees uh, when he's not happy with them. In fact, he's a man of few words overall in, in a lot of ways. And my do better this week is for none other than Bill Belichick. And Brandon, we've got a little clip. Why don't you go ahead and play that? This is when he was being asked about Donald Trump reading a letter saying that Bill Belichick had written to him endorsing him the day before the election. Trump read the letter. Yeah. So your team's always been good at keeping outside distractions on the outside. Given the nature of this presidential race, yeah. did you find it yeah. did you find it uh, helpful to talk to yeah. players about this? If any of your players talk to you about this, are there any yeah. concerns about any locker room rancor as a result of this? And that's it. He just he just pauses for about ten seconds yeah. as he just waits for somebody down. Uh, to answer a question that comes from uh, Ben Volan on Twitter uh, (laughs) posted that video. It's freaking hilarious. So uh, look, Bill Belichick like gets up there 
And they start asking him a difficult question, something that is outside of the Patriots' purview, usually. I mean, and you know he hates that stuff. But instead, he develops a case of, like, city name Tourette's. Like, you know, he's like, first he starts off, it's just like one Seattle. And then the guy continues the question, Seattle, 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 Seattle. <laughs> it's like it was a safe word or something, you know? Like, he just started saying it as, as fast as he could just to try to get out of the question. And look, not only that, but if you're going to do something like that, Bill, you can't just plagiarize from somebody else. He basically was just stealing beast mode behavior. Like, and I understand that the candidate that he endorsed in the in the letter, uh, that his wife likes to lift things from other people and, and plagiarize it. Like, no, Bill Belichick, he obviously is a fan of that sort of thing, so he did it himself. He stole beast mode's game and just started to, with one-word responses. Bill, you can't steal beast mode. You can't steal the way that he deals with the press. And you got to just, you got to find out a better way to deal with a controversial question the day before the election that the American people really do have a right to know if that was true or not, just so we know if, if Donald's telling the truth or not. That's all. I, I was just, just curious. So for all that, Bill Belichick, do better. Hey, we got to see some Marshawn Lynch this week with the, the thank you letters that, uh, He's still not a I've fan of Jimmy this. Fallon. You you have to watch it. If you okay. if you haven't seen it, go to the to Facebook.com slash Seahawkers podcast. I'm not a fan of Jimmy Fallon. Is that what you said? No, Marshawn Lynch, not a fan. Oh, he's not? Really? No. Well, remember when because Jimmy Fallon, the the um when the superlatives. Posted, the superlatives, and he always made fun of Marshawn Lynch because his eyes are kind of crossed yeah. in the in his team photo. Yeah. And uh yeah. I guess Marshawn didn't take kindly to that much. Oh, really? I had no idea there was a feud there. Oh, he dropped a catfish bomb on Jimmy Fallon the first time, and he dropped one again here uh, <laughs> in the thank you letters as well. Fantastic. All right. I'm going to have to watch this. This is great. Jimmy Fallon has grown on me. There's a time I didn't like Jimmy Fallon, but like the more I've watched him, that's a talented guy. Yeah. I like him. I do too. Who yeah. else do you like in your better at life segment this week? My better at life this week will be short and sweet, but it's for a Seattle Seahawks player who is not only making his triumphant return, to the field this week, but also having a triumphant week in life. My better life this week is for Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor, he got engaged this last week. Oh, very nice. I think that's pretty cool. And I don't have a lot to say about it other than congratulations, Cam. You are better at life than Skip Bayless. That, that maybe just propels him a little extra mojo for this game coming up against the Patriots. Yeah, she said yes. She said yes. You yeah. called him out as being better at life than Skip Bayless. This is everything that he's going to need to have a huge game. Dude, I just, I'm, I'm trying to get the hawker aligned for camp. <laughs> well, my better at life this week goes out to the Seahawks for putting out an outstanding salute to service event on Monday night. And holy it, smokes, I can't believe we forgot to talk about the, the intro. So I'm really glad you're bringing this. But yeah, the, there was the, the great flyover by the Washington National Guard, the segways for vets program at halftime, you know, highlighting the, all those vets getting the segways to, to help them move around. That was such a cool program to highlight and see that flyover, man, was incredible. All the men and women serving in our armed forces. Thank you to all who have served. And you are better at life than Skip Bayless. You know, that was a great choice by you because. Oh, you guys all know on the podcast. I mean, we talked about the Kaepernick thing. I'm not into the flags. I'm not into the whole pomp and circumstance and all that stuff. Usually it's not my thing. Holy catfish. That fly that you said fly over. Yeah, that's inaccurate. Brandon, 
That was a fly through. They flew into the freaking stadium, like through the gaps in the end zones with giant flags dangling from them, like right in front of the fans. Like it was, it was halfway. I mean, it was down past the upper deck seemingly. I mean, just in the moment. And I didn't expect that either. Like you could see them hovering, Mm -hmm. like waiting until and the singer was great too. Like wait until everything was going to go off without it. I have to say, I love it when military people sing the anthem because they sing it just they sing it straight. There's no one of the fancy, uh, you know, all the the extra things that singers tend to put in. He was money. He was money. He was money. And then the the helicopters came in. They came into our backs because we were uh, we were in the south end zone. And all of a sudden they just appear like just right through the gap of the stadium. It is. It was intense. The hairs on my neck stood up, man. <laughs> like that was so first American flag comes through. Then told, if you want to get a sense of it, Brandon put her up an awesome video of it. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I was really blown away by that. When the, when they do the flyovers with the Blackhawks, you know, it's, it's cool when they have, you know, like the, the F 18s, you know, the, the, the any jet that's really fast, you know, it's kind of cool when they fly over, but you yes. don't get that same experience of when the, the helicopters come hover and over. And uh, it's, it's very different. It's very cool. It was intense. And the, let, shout out to the pilots, man. The skill of those pilots. Yeah. To literally fly through the state and to have and that the Seahawks, the city of Seattle, the military, all have the trust. They're like, they won't screw this up. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a bad day if that went wrong. And that's a very narrow window that they're flying through for sure. Very narrow with that giant, with the giant flag hanging from the bottom. Yeah. I just couldn't have been more impressed. I, like, so I'm really glad you brought it up and you're right. They're better at life to skip Bayless. And the whole presentation, otherwise, just like you said, um, it was a, they put on a good event. Yes. So yes. Happy veterans day to everyone out there. And, uh, happy think- veterans day to you, my friend. Oh, well, thank you, sir. But uh, anyways, thanks, everybody, for contributing this week. A lot of great emails. We appreciate all of, all of you. Uh, be sure to get in the flock. Get in the flock.com. And I think with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. As we mentioned, if you want to help support the show, you can go to getintheflock.com. But there's other ways to support the show, too. You can go to seahawkerspodcast.com slash support. If you're going to a away game and want tickets, you can go there. There's plenty of other things. Or if you're looking for that next Seahawks jersey, go to Fanatics and uh, you can click on our link at seahawkerspodcast.com slash support. Get your gear through there and uh, a little percentage kicks back to the show. You bet, man. That's Again, you're doing it anyways. So hook a brother up. <laughs> I don't know. That's too much. Yes. Seahawkerspodcast.com slash support. Thanks again for supporting the show.